Yeah, so good morning. So we, um, we launched that last week. Um, and if you haven't caught up with that yet, we'd love you to go back and catch up with that. It's online, um, yeovil.cc. Um, um, so go there and you'll find it there. Um, and we carrying, and we going kind of be working through these, this mission statement, these, these, um, values, this vision, um, over the coming weeks and the coming months, trying to work, work out how do we live these out? What do these mean to us? How do we, how do we work this out into our life and into our community? And this morning, um, we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at um, our mission statement, which is living out faith, hope, and love in our community. Now, we've spent actually a bit of time in January, February, looking at faith, hope, and love already. And um, that really kind of incorporates itself into part of this series. So we're not going to spend a lot of time, but just this week, looking at what does it mean to be living out faith, hope, and love in our community? And to do that, this is actually a fairly um, simple talk in many ways. Um, to do that, we're going to look at um, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to look at um, the part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about being salt and being light. And then we are the salt um, of the world and we are the light. Um, and we're called to be light. And so um, this comes as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you are... Um, if you're kind of um, part of this community, if you're um, checking in wherever you are in the world or wherever you are in the community and you're, um, and you're trying to, you know, maybe you're not like, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm all in on this, I'm fully following Jesus in every way that I can, but you might be like, you know, I'm interested, like I'm, there's stuff here that I'm, I'm, I'm interested, like what are you, what is this all about? And you're trying to explore, there's, there's few better places to go than the Sermon on the Mount. It's in the book of Matthew. It starts chapter 5 through to chapter 7. Um, and it really is the manifesto. It's Jesus' manifesto of what this new kingdom that he comes to launch, this new kingdom that he comes to announce, is all about. This is his manifesto. This is the, right, you know, people, you've, you've had this whole religion thing for a long time, but let me tell you, this kingdom that I'm talking about is a new thing. This way of being, this way of, of restoring the earth, is a new thing, this kingdom that Jesus is talking about, and he launches it, his manifesto is the Sermon on the Mount. It starts in Matthew 5, and it runs all the way through to Matthew 7. And I would really encourage you to just go and spend some time reading that. Maybe um, read it every day for a week or two, and just see what settles in us. In fact, that's, I mean, that's a good practice for all of us, as we're trying to understand what it means to live out this kingdom, to live out our faith, our hope, and our love in this community. Maybe... There might be more of us who are just thinking, actually, I love that idea um, over the next week of reading the Sermon on the Mount every day. And then just seeing what stands out, what do we learn, what do we capture. And right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts it with something you might have heard of, which is called the Beatitudes. And um, so starting in verse chapter 5, uh, verse 1, says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds... He went up on a mountainside and sat down. He withdrew. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And I think, you know, it's really interesting because I think often when we think about the Sermon on the Mount, we think about Jesus stood maybe on a rock with people, a crowd of people all around him. He's preaching this big sermon. But actually what he sees when he sees these crowds, he actually withdraws a little bit. He goes up on the mountainside and his disciples 
those people who were following him, who were like, no, we're all in on this, Jesus, we're with you, like, you're our rabbi, we're going to follow you wherever you go. His disciples gather around him, and he starts teaching them. And the picture that we seem to have here is that Jesus is sat talking to his disciples, and this crowd of people are around, listening in. But he's addressing it um, to his disciples. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And you kind of go, well, what does that, what does that word mean, blessed? And um, you know that it means that, um, that God is blessing these people. That these people maybe who have felt lost, who have felt forgotten, who felt... Um, disempowered or dehumanized in some way, these people who felt like God is distant, God is, has forgotten them perhaps. And you say, no, 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 you're blessed. God is with you. And, and it's a little bit of a Jewish um, thing here. There was this thing in the Jewish faith, and still is, you don't say the name of God. And so it's kind of a passive reference to the name of God. So when he says blessed are, it's a way of saying God blesses. But he's saying you're blessed if you're the poor in spirit. And the poor of spirit, um, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, or those people who um, are oppressed, those people who are being crushed, those people with their backs against the wall, the people who've grown and lived their whole lives with their backs against the wall. And the context here is that Jesus is speaking to a Jewish community in, the, in Israel, in um, what is now known as Israel, and he's speaking to the people of Israel. He's in Palestine here, and then he um, and he's talking to his people, and they are living under Roman oppression. They are being crushed. They are being beaten. The Roman Empire is powerful and violent and drastic. It crushes people. It dominates. It overwhelms. It's about strength and violence and power and might and money And these people have had their land taken. They've had their identity stripped away. They've had their, all, all the things they hold dear. You know, they're told that they're, they're allowed to worship their God, but only as one of the gods of the Roman Empire. They're being stripped of their identity. They're being stripped of their of their religion, they're being oppressed, they're being crushed. And Jesus comes into the middle of this community and says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are being crushed, who have got their backs against the wall. And that's still true today. Who are the people who have their backs against the wall, who have grown up feeling um, with with few rights or um, just under oppression or always being pushed down or not being given the opportunities. And Jesus says, this kingdom is for you. Blessed are you who are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those people maybe who have, who are, who have lost family or lost um, friends, but also those people who feel like they've lost their country, they've lost their identity, those people who look at the world around them and don't even recognise it anymore. 
And he says, blessed are you because you will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. A meek is a word that we don't use very much in the English language these days. And maybe we misunderstand it to be weak, but it isn't that. It's those who recognise that, who don't strive for their own will to be done, but who submit their will, who submit their power, and recognise that God is good, and God's purposes will come through. Who don't try and fight what God wants to do in their lives or in their community, but are live in accordance with it and allow God to be God. He said, blessed are you who don't buy into this fighting violence with violence, who don't want to rise up against this oppression and crush it back and fight violence with violence and strength with strength. Blessed are you who trust that God is good, who trusts that God is with you, and who trusts that God will see it through. For you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are passionate to see more of God in their lives, who want to live lives where God has free reign in their life, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Those people who don't judge, who don't condemn who don't overpower, who don't dismiss, who don't turn a blind eye, but who see the person in front of them and show mercy. For they will be shown mercy themselves. Blessed are the pure in heart, who don't have ulterior motives, who don't drive, aren't driven by their own ambition, who don't use people or misuse people but want to be pure, want to be right with God, seek to see God established in them, for they will see God. The people who have craved God's presence for their whole lives. And you say, now Jesus is showing up and saying, blessed are you who've retained a pure heart throughout this suffering, because you will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Again, who don't buy into violence against violence, who don't take sides, but who stand between brother and brother and help them see each other. For they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, who choose to do the right thing even when it costs them, even when it hurts them, even when it's not in their own interest. They choose to do the right thing. They choose to seek righteousness in themselves and in their community, even at their own cost, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you or persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way that your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven.
You see, sometimes I think we come to that passage as, oh, well, you know, that's the Beatitudes bit, the first bit. And then Jesus talked about salt and light. And sometimes we might just quote, it would have been very easy for me, just start talking about salt and light and read, just read that passage. But actually, the little headers on our Bible sometimes aren't helpful because they weren't there in the original text. And this passage really flows. Jesus is talking about his Beatitudes. And he's going, this is the kingdom. This is my manifesto. This is what it's going to be like. This is great news. If you've, got, if you've been suffering and you've got your back against the wall, but if you've sought righteousness, if you've shown mercy, if you have sought God in your lives, if you have been peacemakers rather than resorting to violence and hatred of the enemy, then God is here and God is with you and this kingdom is yours. And he sat and he's talking to his disciples and he goes, this is for you. And even if you are persecuted, if you suffer for doing the right thing, well then blessed are you. And you might even be persecuted because of me. But don't worry about that because that's happened to prophets throughout the ages. You see, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of of the world. He doesn't say you have some salt, now go and spread it around. He doesn't say you have some light within you, so go and show it. He's saying you are the salt and you are the light. This is who we are as followers of Jesus, as people indwelt by the Spirit, as people who have committed our lives to following him and to seeing his kingdom, who 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 hold out this faith that God is good and God is with us, who hold out this hope that all things come into resolution, that all things will be well, that all things will be restored and gathered together under Christ, and who hold out this passion for love because we recognise that the God that we follow is love. The God that we worship is God of love. And we are the conduit of that love into the world around us. And so we live out this faith and this hope and this love. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light that illuminates. See, salt is a, is a preservative. It's used at that time to be a preservative. So how do we preserve our community, our society around us? How do we serve in a way that sees things preserved, that sees um, life held? But salt is also this thing that brings out all the flavours in a meal. I remember there's a few times that I've um, been to Brazil and they have taught me how to cook steak. I was doing it all wrong. And the first time they showed me how to cook steak, I was like, are you kidding me? That doesn't look, that doesn't look right. But I knew it was right because I tasted steak that they were cooking before. I'm going, this is the best steak I've ever had. This is incredible. This just tastes so good. I went, how do you do it? So then one day, and I think it was, I think it was Marco Polo, uh, Marco Radio, and he said, oh, let me show you how to do this steak. And he, and he got this steak out. And he covered it thick with salt, like half an inch of rock salt all over the steak. He went, oh, we just leave that there for half an hour. He's kind of going, that doesn't, 
I don't know, that looks like a lot of salt to me. And then, and then, then he would flip it over and then he would do a little bit on the other side and then, and then eventually then he'd scrape all the salt off and then he'd throw it onto the barbecue, onto the grill and then he'd cook it and it was just the most amazing, the most amazing steak because it brings out all the flavours of the steak. And you see, we, we're called to be the salt that brings out all the flavours of the society, of the community that we're in, of the world that we're part of. We're called to bring out all those flavours, all the subtleties, all the beauty that is all around us. And the thing that salt doesn't do is turn everything into salt. But what it does do is it makes everything, it gives everything that flavour. It gives everything that taste. It brings out the flavour that's within and it also kind of gives you that, oh, that tastes, you know. It gives you, the, to put it another way, it gives us everything, that mark of the kingdom. And salt is this beautiful thing that brings out all the flavours. And light, well, light illuminates. It's interesting to me, it's before my time here at, Yoba Community Church, but when we were, I'm told that when we were looking at um, gathering, as the, the, I think the five different community, uh, churches that were kind of across the community, and saying we're going to gather in and we're going to create this building and we're, gonna, we're all going to gather together. When we were doing that, um, there was a, one of the verses, one of the prophecies that were spoken is that, that we would be a city on a hill, like a light on a hill. And so, not unsurprisingly, I think they went looking at all sorts of buildings that were high up around Yeovil, and none of them were right. And then the estate agent called one day and just went, I think I've got this building, and I know it's probably not what you're looking for, but why don't you come and have a look anyway? And it was here, it was the gateway, which is about at the lowest point in Yeovil. And you kind of go, well, can this be right? Because God said we were going to be a city on a hill, God said we were going to be a light on a hill, and... Here we are at the lowest place, but they just had this sense that this is where God was calling us to be. And for me, it speaks into this idea of being an upside-down kingdom. See, God calls us to stuff. God communicates stuff with us. God challenges us with stuff. God calls us to be stuff. But actually, sometimes it's upside-down. Like the values, the things that Jesus is talking about, by being meek and being peacemakers and those who suffer and those who are with their backs against the wall and... Um, Those who are mourning and those who have lost and those who are being persecuted. And he's going, this kingdom, this is your time now. Like This this kingdom that I'm announcing, this this is where you're going to be blessed. But it was entirely at odds. Entirely at odds with the world they saw around them. Which was about the powerful and the strong and the mighty and the rich. Those who dominated and those who were victorious. And Jesus said, no, this kingdom is entirely upside down. There's this beautiful verse in Acts. when the, After Jesus has um, ascended, after the resurrection and after Pentecost, and then the disciples are going out and about and they're doing their stuff, and, there's this, and they're, they're heading to this place, and he says, ah, oh, these people who've been turning the world upside down everywhere, they've been causing trouble everywhere, and now they're coming here. We're living in this upside down kingdom. And I was struck by a conversation that I heard, um, chatting to Keith. And obviously he's down here in the building and we're doing all the vaccinations and there's lots of stuff going on here. And he said he was chatting to someone, um, I think it was one of the 
team who are working here. They said, I've never seen a place like this. Like you do everything back to front and upside down, but it works and it's beautiful. And there's something of that fingerprint, of that DNA, of that taste of the kingdom about what we do, this sort of upside down. We don't do things always the way that, that maybe seem obvious. Or, and God doesn't work that way. We live in this upside down kingdom. The message version of this scripture is beautiful. Let's read that quickly. It says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you, show, when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourself blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do, and all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always got into this kind of trouble. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God. This generous Father in heaven. It's a beautiful, beautiful interpretation of that scripture. And again, like I say, maybe spend some time, maybe make a commitment. This week I'm going to read that every day and just see what resonates. But how do we work this in? Our vision within our mission and values and vision with our 365 is that as a church, together, we're able to bring transformation to our community. But also, there's a, but also as this collection, as this community, where as we are dispersed in our own homes and communities and workplaces and colleges and schools this week, and, um, that we are able to bring that salt seasoning wherever we are, wherever we set foot. Every day, everywhere, every one of us. They were able to do it in the, 
in the small as well as the big. We're able to do it in the courageous things. And you might go, what does that look like? What does this upside down kingdom look like? How do we, how do we scatter this salt across our communities wherever we are? How do we bring these flickers of light um, wherever we are? Because the kingdom of God is brought in one act of love at a time, one act of generosity, one act of kindness at a time. The kingdom of God is brought in one act at a time. And so our vision is to see a million moments. A million moments. Wherever we are, everywhere we are. This upside down kingdom. Yeah, it's the big stuff that we do. Absolutely. But it's also every time you choose to forgive or be content. Every time you choose to give or take the time to see the other person that's in front of you or just walk past you or you've just had this interaction with or on the other end of the phone when we take the time to see them and just instead of seeing it as a transaction but we see them as an image bearer of God it's every time we're able to give space to somebody else rather than dominating the space to make time to see the world around us every time we submit rather than control every time we choose to be kind when we don't have to be. Every time we open our homes or we share, we choose love, we choose trust, we choose, we choose hope. Every time we bring peace, every moment we choose to do the work of restoration, repentance, healing, transformation in our own lives. It's also every, also, it's every time we resist. It's every time we resist the urge to judge somebody. You know that kind of instinct? Instinctively, we're just like, oh, you know, I don't trust them, or I don't like that, or I don't, oh, and we dismiss, we'll find a reason to dismiss somebody, or to write somebody off, or to dehumanize somebody. We resist the urge to judge, or we resist the urge to compete, to prove that we stronger or we're better or we're faster or we're richer or we're whatever we are every time we resist the urge to compare because comparison kills kills us every time we resist the urge to fight fight our corner stand our ground fight for our rights to prove a point to somebody else every time we resist the urge to shut down but we remain vulnerable every time we resist the urge to control a situation or to win or to boast or to be self-righteous or to be proud. Every time we resist the urge to turn a blind eye to stuff that we know is wrong, we just don't really want to have to look at it or deal with it. Or we resist the urge to dishonor somebody or disregard somebody or dehumanize somebody. Every time we resist that urge, we bring salt, we bring light, we bring the kingdom. Every time we choose forgiveness or submission or sharing or love or peace, we bring the kingdom.
we reveal Christ. Every time. And so we are called to live this kingdom out. A million moments everywhere. Everywhere we set foot. Every situation we're in. Every moment. There's this great quote that says, Every moment, every square inch is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. It's by C.S. Lewis. Every moment we have a choice to bring a moment of light, to bring a point of salt, seasoning, bringing out the God flavours, bringing out the God colours, or we can choose to not. We can choose to go along with the world, to go along with those instincts, to go along with how everyone else goes along. But when we choose to be salt, when we choose to be light, however small, however seemingly insignificant, we bring about that kingdom. We live out faith, hope and love in our community. This is who we're called to be. This is our 365. So this week, maybe take some time to think about how, do I, how can I do that more? What are the situations where I can do that in? What are the conversations I can have with people? Maybe take the time to read the Sermon on the Mount and just see what Jesus' manifesto looks like and what it does in us. But let's be a people who are living this out. Every one of us, everywhere, every day. Amen.